Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And welcome to an episode of the Dr. Will Show, where we have the discussions that inform, entertain, and empower educators to be the change. I am your host, Dr. Will, and today we'll be talking about instructional coaching. And I have with me Jill Linehan. How are you doing, Jill? I am doing amazing. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Thank you for being a show, being a guest on the show. I'm going to throw this out there. People, you will not be watching the video of this episode. You'll only be able to hear it today. I had to go there. I had to go there. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> so, people, uh, I, I know uh, Jill uh, from Schoology. I am a Schoology uh, ambassador. Uh, it is the only uh, company that I have associated my name with. I am not one of those folks who should be wearing a jacket that looks like NASCAR that got everything going on. I just have one. Uh, and I believe in the company. So uh, there it is. Uh, so Jill, for those who are watching the show, will you please introduce yourself? I sure will. So my name is Jill Lenahan. I live in the great state of Delaware. I currently work as an instructional coach at a dual language charter school. And like Dr. Will shared, I used to work at Schoology and that's where we connected. Um, and I am just happy to be here today hanging out and, and talking shop. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I have been everywhere on the East Coast except for DC and Delaware. Mm. All right, so I've been to Maine, Vermont, and New York, and Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, all those places. Mm -hmm. But I've never been to DC or uh, Delaware. So, uh, Delaware, shout out to my boy Biden. First state. Mm -hmm. My boy Biden, my fashion icon. That's right. Shout That's out. Right. I, I wish he had ran because he, he's so cool. And, and he he'll let something rip. You'll be like, that's just jokes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, I, I love him. I love him. So, today, people, we will be again talking about instructional coaching. And, you know, my idea came about the show because when you see a lot of people titles of, particularly when you talk about education, you know, they'll have, you know, I'm this kind of coach or I'm that kind of coach and I'm this kind of coach. And normally what they do does not quite align with what, let's say the corporate world may say about coaching because a lot of times at schools, the coach tells you what to do instead of trying to sort of bring out the best in you. They actually come to you with a plan that the district has already sort of set out. Uh, so I wanted to bring in Jill to talk about instructional coaching and to really educate people on the topic and to learn more about the work coaches do and how coaches can actually bring out the best in the individuals they work with. Uh, so with that said, Jill, what is an instructional coach and what is the process for instructional coaching? That is such a good question and I hear it all the time and I, I've been in the world of instructional coaching for many years now and the deeper I go, the more I realize how much ambiguity there is about the role as you were just alluding to and the best way for me to describe an instructional coach is that it's a personal trainer for teachers. 
an instructional coach that the goal of an instructional coach is to increase teacher capacity so that we then increase student success and an instructional coach is going to be side by side working in partnership with teachers in the trenches supporting problem solving reflecting and so on. So, you know, just like I said, it, it's a personal trainer for teachers. When you work with a personal trainer, you set goals that are for, for you, physical goals, and so on and so forth. When you work, when you're a teacher and you're working with an instructional coach, let's apply the same concept there. We're going to set goals, how I want to improve my craft, something new I want to try in my classroom. And the instructional coach is going to work together and collaborate with you on a plan to help you get there and then reflect throughout the process. It's, it's really, it's a cycle. If nothing else, it, it's a cycle that instructional coaches work through. It's, it's ongoing, job-embedded, personalized professional development. Awesome, awesome. I'm, I definitely like that, and I love how, you're talking about working with the individual for them themselves saying, I want to get better at this. And you're actually working with them to get there as opposed of the district saying, we have paid a hundred thousand dollars for this product. Uh, you will use this product. <laughs> this person, you know, this person's job is to teach you how to use this product mm -hmm. with fidelity X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. uh, so please describe the coaching process and what makes someone a good coach. So again, coaching, it's a continuous cycle. And it typically starts with um, what is often described as enrollment, meaning a teacher approaches a coach. Ideally, a teacher is going to approach a coach and say, you know, I, I really want to work on my sensors. And my background is elementary, so I'll, I'll use a lot of examples, you know, kindergarten through fifth grade kind of stuff. I really want to work on my centers. I really don't feel like I've grasped uh, formative assessment or, or something else. And so through that enrollment conversation, um, we set the goal. And there are times when a teacher will come to a coach and know what the goal is, know exactly what they want. And there are other times in the enrollment process where a teacher will say, well, I don't know. I, I know, something's just not clicking for me. And then it's through, through questioning and reflective listening that the coach collaborates with that teacher to set a goal. And that, that's very important. Um, and, and during that enrollment process, we also want to set the ground rules for coaching. And one of the things that I, I have read and learned over the years about coaching is that we don't give advice. There's a saying in the coaching world that advice is toxic because when you give advice, you're owning the issue, the problem, the concern, what have you. So it's about working together to, to set the goal and then, and then design the steps that you're going to take to get there. So that enrollment process is, is really important. And if we want to kind of, um, you know, relate that to the beginning of the school year, it's your routines, it's your procedures. You need to make sure you're crystal clear on what those are before you start content with your students. So we're talking about our routines, our, proce our procedures. When are we going to meet? What are we going to do? What is that going to look like? And so on. And all of that happens during enrollment. And then we implement the plan. 
And the plan could take any number of shapes. It could be that the coach comes into your classroom to observe and provide feedback. It could also be that the coach comes into the classroom and does the lesson while the teacher observes, and then we reflect on what happened. And typically through, the, through these implementation steps, we have some kind of rubric or some kind of checklist um, to really laser the focus on what the look for's are, um, what we're doing, what we're talking about, and how are we quantifying, how are we measuring the progress. So we need our rubrics and checklists to do that. And then of course we reflect, how did it go? What, what are the next steps? Do we need to tweak anything? Is this the right path for us? And so on. And, and that just continues over and over and over again, you know, until the coach and the teacher decide that, that we've, we've made a lot of progress together and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we move in a different direction or whatever the case may be. And the second part of the question, what makes a good coach? A coach has to be a listener, has to be a listener. Um, a coach is a partner. A coach is somebody who there's no hierarchy in coaching. We, we are partners. We are in this together. And as the coach, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to get in the trenches. And I'm also going to witness the struggle with you because if there was no struggle, there would be no need for a coach. And I don't mean to use the word struggle with a negative connotation. It's just that Teaching is a very difficult profession, and, and there are challenges each and every day, and a coach is a, is a partner in reflection there. Um, and, and another thing I think that, that would make a really good coach is being able to bring innovative strategies to the table. I think that's really, really important. Um, but you can get those out of books and you can get those online and through Twitter chats and things like that. It's, it's the mindset. The coach has to have the right mindset. It has to be collaborative. It has to be, we are equal partners in this. Um, and, and there, there should be intent to have reciprocity, meaning as the coach, I don't know it all. I can learn something from you just as much as you can learn from me. Okay. So now I want to throw this out there to you. Uh, I guess how how should a coach assess their own skills, determine what are their strengths, uh, what may be areas of growth for them, and sort of figure out a plan to best work with teachers. Uh, you know, because when we talk about continuous improvement, I think that is just a part of I believe what, the work we should be doing. Mm-hmm. in any position that we have. But in, particularly when you're talking about coaching and your job is to sort of coach people up per se, how do you assess where you are and how do you get better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the exact same process. As a coach, I need a coach too. You know, I, I need someone to coach me as well. Um, I am a really big fan of having expectations, whether those expectations are in the form of, of a rubric, like an evalu- like an, a lot of teachers have a rubric for their evaluation process or something like that. I want to be able to sit down with my partner, with my coach and reflect on where am I on this rubric? Where am I on this continuum? And I want to make a plan for how I'm going to get better. 
And, you know, currently I set five really big goals at the beginning of this year. So that's where I, I will be measuring progress on that um, throughout the year. And I, and you know, my look fors there are how many teachers are enrolling and what are they getting out of it. And I haven't done this in my current role, but in a, in a previous role as a coach, I do a lot of surveys, just a quick Google form, um, give me your feedback, get some quantifiable and, and, um, and qualitative data and make it anonymous so that you know you're getting the honest feedback. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, I was last year I read something in Clo uh, Magazine, uh, which is a, a magazine for uh, corporate trainers. Mm -hmm. And one of the articles that uh, the person wrote was saying how there's a difference between a consultant and a coach and how, you know, a consultant does this, a coach does that. And in my role, I actually consider that I do both. Because some things I just have to tell people as a consultant and advise, this is what I am seeing and I would like to see this and best practices are X, Y, and Z. But then I put on the coaching hat of, what is your why for using this technology? What is, what is your why for where you want to see your implementation uh, go? And I'm going to be honest with you. It took me a long time to get there because I was just so gung-ho, so in love with, with Schoology and other technology that we have, technologies we have, and such a believer in blended learning and, and things that when I saw the adoption not running at the pace that I, that I thought it was, it, it was just starting to like mess with my pressure. I was just like, Argh! and I had to sit back, right? And, and I knew that in order for this implementation to be successful, teachers had to own it. Mm. And it couldn't be something that I drove, they had to drive it themselves. And that's when I sat back and said, okay, let me now as much as possible uh, employ coaching strategies to really get them to own this implementation and, you know, again, consult when I needed to and then step back and let them do whatever they needed to do from that. Choice and voice. That, that's the key to success with adult learners. They, they need choice and voice. And, and I include myself as that. I want choice and voice in what I'm learning as well, whether I'm in a coaching role or a role like I, I was with Schoology or if I'm a consultant, whatever the case may be, choice and voice are what is going to help me buy in. Awesome, awesome. So currently, you work with a dual language immersion program. What drew you to that population of learners? And what is your day-to-day -day like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I love that question because I, I had worked with both ESL and dual language programs in the past, and, and I, I, I was kind of consulting. I, as I was thinking about um, our conversation earlier today and, and what I would be sharing with the listeners this evening, you know, I thought that, that was a consulting role, and I was kind of on the fringe of that work, and I wasn't immersed in it day to day. And, but at the same time, I saw the ambiguity in what is ESL versus immersion, two completely different things. 
similar instructional strategies, but, but two completely different worlds. And, you know, I, I loved that work. I enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. So that when I was making a change, I thought about this, and, and I, I saw the posting on my, my state job board, and it said, dual language charter school. And I love charter schools. They remind me of the work in startups, where everybody wears a lot of different hats, and, and so I was comfortable there. And one of the questions that was asked in um, the interview process was about what did I think was the importance of learning a second language? And it, it really made me think about our current society, the current political climate that we're in, and what I believe, and I'm not an expert, these are, these are just my thoughts, but what I believe we need to do to, to create social change. We need to have a better understanding of each other's backgrounds. We need to have an understanding of the struggle for speaking a language that is not your native language each and every day. And, and I, you know, I proceeded to talk in that conversation um, with the folks through the interview process. And that was it. That, that was my why. This is, this is as much about instruction for me as it is about social change, taking people from all different cultures, all different backgrounds, and immersing them in a language that is not native to them. That, that's important, that, that's, you know, I'm trying not to get on a soapbox here, but that's, that's really important, and it's a K-5, K-5 school, excuse me, and we're starting it at that age, and I think by, by creating that mindset, creating that empathy at an early age, um, we stand a better chance at seeing some of the social change that is needed across the country so that we are less polarized and, and more accepting of each other throughout society. So that's my why. I think about it often. You know, and of course, yes, promoting good instruction, promoting instruction um, that you know, creates opportunities to speak, read, and write in, in two different languages. All that is very, very important. Um, as far as my day today, so uh, like I said, it's a K-5 charter school, excuse me, it's a K-4 charter school, I apologize, but it's a K-4 charter school. Uh, approximately half the staff um, speaks English as a second language. I only speak English. I know, I know some Spanish. I, I know enough to communicate and I'm getting better every day. Um, we've adopted a new curriculum in both reading and math. And so a lot of my time is spent helping teachers, supporting them, unpacking the new curriculum. So step one, we're unpacking the curriculum. Like that, first and foremost, we've got to do that. Step two is how do we now take this curriculum and apply it in the English-speaking classroom and then, of course, in the Spanish-speaking classroom so that there is connectivity from day to day for the students. And, you know, we're not talking about one thing in Spanish and another thing in English but we are continuously providing instruction on, on similar content. Um, our goals right now in my school, checking for understanding. That's a, that's a really big thing that we're driving home through coaching conversations, through professional development opportunities, um, and during our PLC times, checking for understanding. So I spend a lot of day in and out of classrooms 
hoping to catch somebody in a moment where they're checking for understanding and giving them feedback on, you know, how well it went and, and things of that nature. Um, and, you know, just spending as much time as I can in classrooms, um, talking to teachers and building relationships. That, that is a, a core principle of coaching is that, that we are building relationships of trust and respect, um, which is about the partnership that I was talking about earlier. Like you said, it's just not, I'm not coming in here saying you need to be checking for understanding. And if you don't do that, you know, we're going to have a talk. It's about, I saw you checking for understanding or, you know what, you had them on the hook, do a quick turn and talk next time and, you know, and see what the outcome is for that. Awesome. Awesome. So previously you worked with Schoology. Please speak to the process of coaching teachers through their transition into a digital environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the biggest thing working for Schoology that I learned, and I have an interesting story with Schoology because I was actually a Schoology client. I was a, I was a Schoology user, and I then had the opportunity to work there for a couple of years. And what I realized very early on when my group was adopting Schoology is that people wanted expectations. Another important principle of adult learning. Don't just say, here's a tool, use it. Just try it, just do this. What with the mistake that I made with my group, and, and I'm not too proud to admit this, is that we didn't say, this is what you should do in the first marking period, the second marking period, and so on. So in, in, in coaching teachers through digital transformation, um, we always start with a, an administrator phone call. And because the administrator has to be on board and they have to put the structures in place for this to thrive. So a key component there is, here are some sample expectations that you might wanna share with teachers. Post a daily update, use the calendar. And for some people, that, that's where it starts. And then that evolves into discussions once a week, using Schoology groups for your PLC time, um, you know, posting administrator updates that, that are, that's gonna drive the tra traffic, excuse me, away from email and into the platform. And, you know, I, I cannot say enough about the expectations. And then also with, with coaching in the digital transformation, because it's a digital environment, we want to be able to offer people, whether it's coaching or professional development, in different formats. Because for some people, a self-paced course in the platform is the is that that fits their learning style. Other people need face-to-face -face time. So working with teachers, um, those, those coach, uh, excuse me, those uh, train the trainer type of, of professional development opportunities, working with lead teachers there and coming up with a plan for once once me, once the Schoology trainer is out of here, what are you gonna do to make this ongoing? And having conversations about um, what can you do 20 minutes before and after school on like a Tech Tuesday? What can they learn from a video? Because if we're gonna use Schoology to blend learning, we need to model that. And with any kind of coaching, whether we're talking about dual language, whether we're talking about Schoology, model, model, model. And Schoology just happens to have, I'm biased, but they happen to have the best platform for this. There's, there's so much you can do in the platform with professional development. Um, 
and, and we want to model that blended learning. And, you know, don't get me started on how you can use media albums and embed YouTube videos. And, and that's all personalized professional development that can take place anytime, anywhere. So when teachers are working through a digital transformation, we need to meet them where they are. We need to have clear expectations. And we need to model what the platform can actually do in a way that makes it user-friendly. The fewer clicks, the possible. I, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm still working through that uh, because, you know, I've set expectations. And doggone it, I've set high expectations. Uh, I don't start small because I know if you say, hey, do this bell ringer here, do the discussion there, that's what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you'll always have uh, those teachers that we all know who, you know, some people call them your innovators or your high flyers or what have you, but we all have those who are going to just jump to it, gravitate to it. They're going to push it and push it and push it. And I'll have those teachers who will come to me. Okay, what's next? All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, woo. All right, let's do this. But then you have those, you know, six weeks in, they still just doing bad ringers. Uh, so that's why I like to set a, a greater set of expectations because what I want teachers to do is to understand on the greater perspective, we are no longer in the chalkboard area of, era of teaching. Like, mm -hmm. let that go. Okay? I'm done with that. Let that go. Blockbuster doesn't exist. A whole lot of things because of how technology is now transforming industry and, and such. A lot of things are just going away. And we don't even know, you know, five years from now whether or not as a teacher you'll ever you'll even show up in person to teach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so I want teachers to to beyond that mentally make that shift of transformation. And that's why I try to set certain expectations of okay. Now, again, I'm not expecting everyone to have a full-on uh, course when school starts, but I do want them to just go for it. And if they fail, hey, get up. Let's just do this yeah. thing again. But I don't want them to be cautious, you know, with it. Like, you know, this is not a hot stove. You know, it's not going to burn you. Uh, so let's, let's, let's make this thing happen, Captain. I mean, that's the type of enthusiasm or expectations I try to bring mm -hmm. uh, to this. Uh, so, in your experiences, what are teachers' greatest concerns in actually receiving coaching? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what can be done to assist them in becoming more receptive to investing in the process? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I love that you call it a process because uh, I live I live in Delaware, but I'm about 30 minutes from Philadelphia. And we have a saying around here. Trust the process. Trust the process. Yes, yes. We are we are rebuilding all of our, our sports teams and, and it is a process. And and we you know we have a hashtag, trust the process. And you've got to trust the process. So so that that's number one. But just to go back to the question, teachers' concerns with coaching stem from um, fear of evaluation. It, it has a connotation of being an evaluative um, endeavor, and, and it's not. And I, I believe that 
gosh, I, I hope it's okay that I say this. I don't know that everyone's doing it right, so to speak. If you if you read about coaching, if you if you read um, Jim Knight's work, he, he's he is the authority on coaching, and and I know him personally, and and he's just he eats, sleeps, and breathes coaching, and it's non-evaluative. It's a partnership. So we need to have more coaches out there rolling up their sleeves, witnessing the struggle, and being a true partner. And one of the a couple strategies, and that, that's a big picture kind of thing, but to really to break down that resistance, strategically working with certain teachers because teachers for whatever reason don't trust any the blanket statement but a lot of times teachers won't trust somebody who's not a teacher they need to hear it they need to see it from somebody who's walked in their shoes so if you can get somebody on your side if you can build a coaching relationship with a teacher who's well respected in the building a strong teacher the walls start to break down people say well if she's doing it, oh, I can do it. She's, she's doing it. It's working for her. I can do it. So you need to build your evangelists um, very early on when, when you are coaching. Um, another thing I, need, I think we need to do more universally with coaching is we need more building coaches and fewer district coaches. Because when you're in a building coach, you're, you're in there every day. You're building relationships. You're seeing the behavior issues and, you know, what, whatever else might be going on. You're in there. You're seeing it. You're part of it. And you have the opportunity, you know, in some smaller schools to work with 20, 30 people and build those relationships. If you're in a district, you're lucky if you're in a school once a week and, and you're a consultant. You, you, are, you are more consultant and less of a coach. You wear your, your district office hat, um, and that's – I don't think it does a lot to build trusting relationships um, when there's a district coach versus a building coach. I'm a huge fan of being a building coach. I've, I've done both. I've been far more successful in a building, building as a, in a role as a building coach versus working as a district coach. So I, I think we just – we need to get more people, um, more ambassadors, if you will, for coaching in, in the buildings out there. And, you know, I, I've met coaches who say, well, I'm also the testing coordinator. I'm also the reading specialist. I'm also the this. I'm also the that. Well, what that tells me is, one, they don't have time to build relationships and have really true enrollment conversations where we're setting goals and implementing a plan and then reflecting on that plan. And... They're the testing coordinator. We're always testing in education anymore, good, bad, or otherwise. That, that's the nature of the work right now. So if you're the testing coordinator and, and you're doing dibbles and you're the reading specialist and you're in charge of RTI, when are you having enrollment conversations? When are you building trusting relationships? Um, so really, I, I think the biggest thing we can do to, to get teachers on board with the process is um, do it right, really doing it right and and when you do it right you get results and earlier i said a coach is a personal trainer for teachers if i'm working with a personal trainer and i'm not getting results i won't continue to work with that personal trainer i, I want results yes it's a process 
but you can see re incremental results through reflection and and we have to you know we have to show people those results so that they'll want to keep coming back i hear you hear you know being in the building i can tell you for sure changes things you know on the depth district depth chart i still belong to central office mm -hmm. uh, however when our one-to-one -one expanded my office moved from central office in the tech department to the high school so i start un unless i have something scheduled somewhere else i always start my day out at the high school and so i'm there and i'm seeing students every day and i'm seeing the teachers every day and i'm hearing that doggone intercom every day uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I'm, I'm still not used to that dog on intercom that comes on. I'm like, that doesn't happen in central office. Uh, but I'm still, you know, there and it changes things. And so e even the students, because they see me there every day and I say, hey, put that cell phone away. It's different because I'm there. And they see me apart as a part of the school. And it has made a difference in how teachers see me and how they work with me. And then I do have my evangelist. I call her the general. Uh, Mr. Chandra Walker, because uh, we will have these side conversations of this is what I want to see happen. And I don't, our relationship as such now, she'll come to me and say, okay, what's going on? What do you want to see? And then I'll just, hey, we'll talk. I step back, she runs the meeting. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's Schoology usage, whether it's blending your classroom, whether it's giving your students greater ownership to create products. Uh, she does that. I just sit back and go, go get them. But they listen to her mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes when they hear from me, it's central office talking. Mm -hmm. But when they hear from her, it's totally different. And so that allows the, the relationships with some of those teachers to start to begin to form because now they have, a, I guess, an, a reason to now work with me and then won't work with me. They, they figure, oh, he's okay, dude. Uh, because I, I'm not here to change somebody. You know, so like if you can really, I mean, really get up there in front of a class and lecture, like, oh, captain, my captain type lecture, do your thing. I'm not trying to take that away from you, babe. I want to see how can technology support that? Mm -hmm. And how can we take what you, how can we record that? And use that in Schoology, you know. Multipliers, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, multipliers. I, yeah, I'm not trying to remake you. That's not my job, you know. You're not getting a technology makeover from me. My job is to just really bring out the best of who you are with the technology to remove the impediment that technology can be for some. So uh, it's it's been a learning process for me, and this is my, you know, again my my fifth year of the district, fourth year. Uh, with third year in this one-to-one -one, and in learning, okay, when to say something, when step back. And when I step back, not step back to the point to where I'm absent, but to just kind of do, do your thing. Mm -hmm. And we'll have, a, we'll have a, a conversation and I'll ask, you know, hey, what do you want to do? And let you tell me what you want to do. And from there, as you say, we'll, we'll create the plan. Mm -hmm. uh, so before we go, what is your call to action for those people who have my job? Your job is to coach uh, teachers. Um, what sort of skills should we have in our toolbox? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
the, the most important thing, there's, there's three things, and I, I've said them throughout our conversation. Build relationships, get in the trenches, and witness the struggle. The, those, those three things have to happen to be a successful coach. In terms of a, of a toolbox, you need a lot of strategies. Um, and, and you need to be able to think on your feet. And, you know, you also need to be a constant learner because typically in a coaching role, you're an experienced educator. You, you've been a teacher of some kind. And maybe you've been a math teacher. Maybe you've been a tech teacher. But when you're an instructional coach or even when you're a tech coach, you're working with English teachers. You're working with social studies teachers. You're working, you're working with everybody. So you, you need to have a full toolkit of instructional strategies and constantly being up to date on what strategies are most effective, what best practices are, and, and because you need to be able to pull one of many things out of a hat at any given time when you're supporting teachers. Um, it, you know, I also think that, I said before, a coach has to be a good listener. You, and, and what I mean by that is, it, is no one's going to come up and say, hey, Will, I'm scared to death of technology. Please help me. And, you know, maybe they will, but it, it, it's not in our nature as human beings to admit where we aren't strong. So you need to listen for what's not being said in these conversations that you're having for teachers and, and paraphrase. And, you know, I heard you say you've never used a Chromebook before. Why don't, why don't I come in and we'll just play around with the Chromebooks or whatever, you know, whatever you might say, because like I said, no one's going to say, I don't even know what a Chromebook is. I've never used an iPad, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be really listening intently um, for what's not being said in those conversations. And you need thick skin as a coach. Not, not everybody's ready for a coach and that's okay. That's okay. It's nothing personal um, for whatever reason. Some people aren't ready for coaching, and a lot of people are, and, and those are the people that we're going to invest our time with. Um, and I think one of the most important things for, for a coach to have in their toolbox is flexibility because you think things are going to go one way, and you're gonna, in your case, you're going to get in there, and guess what? The Wi-Fi is not working today or the Chromebook cart wasn't charged or, you know, we need 30 iPads and we have 25 or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, flexibility. I think flexibility is key for teachers. I think it's even more key for coaches and, you know, don't give advice. It, it's the hardest thing in the world. And you even said it, I, you know, it, you're five years into this and, and you're starting to wrap your head around. There are times when you've just got to keep your mouth shut and let somebody do their thing and figure out a different approach. And, and, that, and if you are flexible, you're going to be able to get there. And, you know, I don't know what, what skill this is, but with coaching, sometimes you're working on instructional strategies. And I think that's often the easier part of the job. Sometimes you're working on mindset. Because I hear people saying, yeah, I want to try that, but you know, you know how my group is. You've seen my kids in the cafeteria, or you know, whatever people might say, and I get it. I mean, I, I've had, 
I've had some rough classes in my day, but we, you know, as coaches, I think we have a responsibility as we're working with teachers um, to ensure the mindset is that all students can learn at high levels. And, and that's, if we can get there, then we can work on instructional strategies as well. That mindset has to happen um, a lot of the times or else, or else we're just, it's compliance. Or we're doing instructional strategy because the coach said if, if the mindset isn't there. So it takes a lot, um, but it's, it's amazing. The rewards and the fulfillment that I've had in coaching over the years have just been amazing. And I've seen teachers really transform their practice and um, built a lot of wonderful relationships that have filled my bucket, so to speak, and, and help me build my toolkit even further because I really believe in that reciprocal relationship when it comes to coaching. Awesome, awesome. Great tips, great information. Uh, I hope people uh, will listen to this podcast and uh, really be fed by it and inspired by it. Again, Jill, I thank you for being a guest on the show. Well, I am. Thank you for having me. And, you know, if you, if you need to put this up on YouTube, I, I will give you my permission to do that. <laughs> but you, here's the deal. You have to have me back so I can dress better the next time. <laughs> of course, you're welcome uh, back on the show. Uh, you know, this, is, this has been some great information. Uh, you know, I've learned, you know, some things, you know, myself. Uh, you know, one of the, the two goals that I even have for myself is to get better as a coach and get better at designing online courses mm -hmm. uh, because I, I love the digital space. I love how you, you know, via Schoology can deliver online PD, you know, it's just that in designing, cause I just updated my blended learning course. And one of the things out in doing it, I was like, okay, how can I make this interesting and not just, uh, you know, Google slide PDF video. Like how, how can this thing actually be more interesting and engaging for teachers as well? And to make sure that I put a lot of, of praxis and other things in there for teachers to become reflective, have discussion uh, amongst each other, and hopefully people get a, an experience that moves them forward. Uh, so today was awesome uh, for me. So people, you know how I do this around here. Uh, this will be going up on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, I'm going to think about YouTube. I mean, I, I know she said I could do it, but, you know, I'm going to think about it. Uh, make sure that Jill is, is all, all with this thing. Uh, this will be going out on Twitter, LinkedIn as well. As always, people, invest in you, EDU, peace.